Welcome back to the Perpetual Wealth Podcast, a show for clients of Paradigm Life. This season, we're empowering you to take control of your financial future using the core principles of the Perpetual Wealth Strategy. Now, before we dive in, a quick but essential disclaimer. While this podcast is primarily for our valued clients at Paradigm Life, it's open to anyone interested in enhancing their financial knowledge. However, please remember that our information should not be taken as a direct tax, legal, or financial advice. We strongly recommend consulting with a wealth strategist at Paradigm Life or your financial team before making any decisions based on our discussions. Today, we continue our journey into cash flow, protection, and wealth building, the foundational principles of the perpetual wealth strategy. Let's dive in and explore how to optimize your wealth and achieve financial independence. Your journey continues now. The next video, we're going to cover a core foundational product to the perpetual wealth strategy called the wealth maximization account. Now, a holistic strategy, as again, with regards to cash flow optimization, uh, ideal, adequate uh, protection, as well as the different investments uh, and financial products that make up your uh, your wealth strategy. Okay, we have to pay attention to all to all of these and how they work harmoniously together. And so, what we're going to talk about today is why the wealth maximization account is our core financial product. Uh, I would say right out of the gate, it's a financial product that does more than one thing. Typically an investment or a qualified plan, it has one intended pur uh, purpose. And looking at this you know, really incredible financial vehicle, it plays multiple roles uh, and also multiple roles in different phases you have in life, whether you're just starting out, whether you're at the, the peak of your career or whether you're unwinding and getting ready to uh, retire, and then even passing on a legacy. This is a financial product that plays not just many roles up front, but multiple roles uh, along the way. So we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of, uh, of how it works. So the first thing we got to say is like, this is a life insurance product. Okay, Wealth maximization account is a high cash value uh, life insurance policy, uh, usually underwritten and uh, provided by a mutual insurance company. Now, looking at the, the design, that's what's most important. So uh, life insurance has evolved over the years, right? A long time ago when it was first, uh, I would say, introduced before the United States even existed, but as it was brought to the United States from Europe, it was more of like a, a communal type of uh, uh, insurance where communities would get together, typically churches, and they would all contribute, right? We call them premiums now, but they all contribute to a big pool of money and then ultimately, if the loved one of an individual passed on, this money would uh, pay out to, uh, to them. And this kept going until they became formalized institutions. And then as those institutions evolved, they became uh, you know, stock-based companies and then mutual companies and then the types of policies that have been created since then. You have term life, you have universal life, you have whole life. There's all sorts of different life insurance uh, products that are out there. So our goal is to help you understand really the role of, uh, of whole life as it pertains to a comprehensive, holistic financial strategy uh, and why. And looking at really the wealth maximization account, whole life we have come to realize uh, is just a, a financial product you can count on. It's something that has 
stood the test uh, of time. It is performed. Uh, and just based on the structure and how it works, it's what we feel most confident in. Now, high cash value, I would say, is uh, a change to how life insurance typically worked, where you pay a premium and you get a, a benefit if somebody passes on. But life insurance cash value became this idea where now you have a kind of a savings component of a policy that you can access uh, as a living benefit as opposed to benefits being accessed, uh, accessed once you pass on. So we're going to get into you know, cash value and how that works. But the IRS got involved because life insurance essentially was to replace income. And so there was no taxes associated uh, with the growth of cash value uh, or with passing a death benefit onto a beneficiary in an estate. But the IRS got involved and they started to regulate uh, the tax benefits that still, uh, that still exist. But the high cash value idea is ensuring that uh, you abide by, adhere to some of the, the rules of the Internal Revenue Code. And we're going to get into that as well. But the Wealth Maximization Account, you know, it, it, distinguish, it uh, distinguishes itself from other financial products just because of the different roles and different characteristics that it plays. It's kind of like I, sometimes I refer to it as a Swiss Army knife, right? It's like one tool, okay, but there's multiple micro tools associated, uh, associated with it, depending on the circumstance that, uh, that you're in. So, John, before we get into, you know, how this type of insurance policy works and why it's foundational to the perpetual wealth strategy, maybe add, uh, add to what you have learned about life insurance over uh, the years and why, you know, in your perspective, we, uh, we advocate it so highly. Wow. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I look at, you know, you talk about the change in life insurance, you talked about term and, and, and whole life, which were kind of the, the core, and then you have your, your UL products. And I like to look at, you know, term was kind of like renting a place, you know, that served a purpose, right? Not the most effective for growing any kind of wealth, but it put a roof over your head. Obviously, you're renting, there's no tax implications or benefits, et cetera, where whole life is like buying a property. All of a sudden, you've got a lot more things. You talked about that Swiss Army knife. Uh, you build cash value. You have the asset protection. You have tax benefits. So very similar to buying a property. All of a sudden, you change the dynamic. You still have a roof over your head. You have a lot of additional benefits behind it. And, you know, I was a, a huge buy-term invest the difference. Um, you know, at a young, as a young father having two young kids, you know, uh, I think it was four and two when we had a, a really close friend uh, uh, pass away and seeing the effects on that family uh, was quite eye-opening. And then having my, um, my sister and her husband pass away and left her with five kids under 10 years old and just the effects and choices and, and everything uh, had a profound effect at me very young. So I, I always wanted insurance, just seeing and, and making sure I honored that commitment to my kids and my wife that I felt like I, I should have. Um, that's why I started with term insurance. And as I've started to learn more and build, you know, you look at that, you know, learning the importance of cash flow, learning the importance of, of protection as I built my wealth up, uh, uh, had, a, had a massive change in the effect and the product and tool I used to do it. You know, it's, it's interesting that you look at the evolution of, of life insurance. I think intuitively, it, the reason why it has existed so long is because it, it makes sense, right? There, the inevitability of life that we can uh, circumvent is, is death, right? We're, we haven't figured that out yet. Now, there's probably people that are trying to work on that, and obviously there's lots of medical innovation and, and evolution as well. 
but still that's an inevitability that we're all going to are going to face. So that's why I think the product has existed for as long as it has, but human nature has uh, taken hold and human nature is to make it even better. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, how we've evolved technologically, medically, like we're always trying to find like, okay, how can we improve this? How can we improve that? Uh, so I look at, you know, in the beginning, just being, you know, covering uh, the loss of a loved one, uh, but then to, okay, becoming institutional. And then with a mutual company, you know, they involve policy owners as, pa as part of their, uh, their profit sharing, right? And so they distribute dividends to specific policy owners uh, that own specific products. But then, you know, you look at the early 1900s, and this was really the primary predominant savings vehicle. This, 401ks didn't exist. Mutual funds didn't exist. You know, the stock market was reserved to just like a few, you know, a, companies, a, yeah. a few percentage of the population. Yeah. And, you know, so life insurance was that, that primary vehicle. And so farmers are the ones that really advocated for uh, policy loans because with farmers, they don't get a, you know, a paycheck every single month or every, uh, uh, every other week. Okay. They have, you know, essentially their, uh, their harvest se uh, season where they get all their money, but they have the planting season. There's a big gap in between. And sometimes, you know, the harvest doesn't, doesn't happen the way that they had anticipated. So they are the ones that advocated for, okay, how, how can we take a, as opposed to withdrawing money or canceling our life insurance, how can we, you know, establish some sort of loan so that we can borrow against that cash value uh, so that when our, you know, we're planting, we can live. And then when the harvest happens, we can pay back the loan uh, with interest, right? So it's, it's interesting how that's evolved. And then since then, you know, policy design has changed. There's different riders. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. So how we look at it, because it can be really confusing because there's so many nuances, so many riders, so many, you know, so much flexibility that it has now is how do you help uh, essentially clients use this tool as a foundational product? So the, one of the main reasons why we covered context in the beginning, right, is so that we can show you based on the, the different uh, characteristics whole life has, okay, how it applies to cash flow, how it applies to protection and how it applies to wealth. Yeah. And just to back up a little bit, you know, you talk about it, it obviously makes sense. It's been around forever. You bring up Farmers using the policy loans, farmers are usually uh, are, are the ones that originally came up with the concept of sharing risk mm -hmm. for the same thing. Not only to the space of time which they wanted the policy loans, but really, you know, if if one has a drought, one has flooding, one has you know bugs or whatever, they pooled the risk. So they would instead of putting together money as premiums, they'd put together seed as as the premiums and share in that that mm -hmm. overall risk. And, you know, you look at making sense, you know, one question we get a lot is, oh, it's tax-free, there's tax benefits, is that a loophole, is that going to go away? It makes sense to the government, too, because if we will go in and assume the risk as a primary income earner and make sure our loved ones are taken care of, that takes a burden off the federal government. So, you know, if... if Because uh, they don't have to be the social safety net yeah, in the event that families are left without a breadwinner. Yeah, you look at the bread, if the breadwinner passes away, it's a very high 80-something percent. Uh, chance that they will go on some sort of government assistance. So as an overall strategy, as not only individually, but as a community, as a country, it, it makes a lot of sense to have this as the foundation. So State Farm, that's where State Farm came from, or Farmers, that's where Farmers came from. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting to look at the evolution, right, of, uh, of our economy as the United States uh, economy. And this was definitely, you know, a key, a key financial product. And we're not going to get into the you know, history and what's happened since then, but some of the, still some of the strongest institutions 
in uh, in the country are are insurance companies because they but are obviously regulated to a certain standard, much higher standard than banks or other financial yeah. institutions. But they also bear this you know type of risk pooling, right? Which back in the farmers era, obviously math existed, calculus existed, actuarial uh, science and equation has existed. But I would say life was different back then. There were way more risks, whether it was health risks or whether it was casualty type of risks. Risks have gone down and obviously actuarial science has drastically improved being able to you know, assess risk and be profitable with that risk. And that's what's also cool about you know, these mutual company structures is they improve the way in which they're able to pool risk and price it and ultimately pass on those benefits to, to policy owners in the form of a dividend. And we'll get that uh, we'll get to that a little bit later in our series, uh, but let's uh, let's just get into essentially the characteristics of just uh, whole life. What whole life is? What are some of the characteristics that uh, that it has? Because obviously the wealth maximization account, as we've mentioned, is high cash value whole life insurance. But we're just going to get into whole life insurance and how it works. You know, I, I think um, insurance in general is very misunderstood. And obviously, Wall Street, the banks, they want, they want our monies. They're going to discourage us from getting any type of insurance, right? So um, the normal talking heads are very anti-insurance. So because of that, I think people don't understand their options. You know, and I, I like to look at, you know, kind of use my experience in business and real estate for me to make sense of, of what we have. And so I'm going to use that. You know, if you, if you look at term, it's a period of term. It's like renting an apartment. We sign a one-year lease, a six-month lease. You know, a term is 5, 10, 20, 30 years. For a period of time, we're able to hedge that risk. Um, you look at whole life, again, very similar to buying a property. So if we go buy a half-million-dollar home and do a 30-year mortgage with a 5% interest rate, very easy for them to pick our payment of what's going to be made on that home. Well, a whole life policy is very similar. They use the actuarial science to determine what our average life expectancy is. And they look at our current age, and now they can determine if we buy a half million life insurance policy, we're essentially financing a predetermined benefit at the end with a very unique clause that if we pass away before it's paid for, they're still going to give us the asset. Mm. Very unique. So that's the contract. So I that, would say the first the bare bones is yeah. you, you sign a contract with an insurance company for those, for those reasons, right? Yep. They obviously have you know different actuarial tables. They price in what it will take to get this half a million dollars at you know mortality, which right now mortality tables are at 121 years old, right? But anytime in between, so perfect, perfect analogy. But that contract is a, a legal binding agreement. As long as you pay your premiums, insurance companies are required to pay out that. Now, there's other pieces of that contract. That's the primary piece of the contract. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, that, that, that's essentially how we pool our risk is, you know, we know on average, you know, we're going to live into our 80s, but we could be the, the statistic that passes in our 40s or our 50s. So for a very small amount of money, we're able to shift that risk to an insurance company, which is essentially, if you go with a mutual insurance company, it is a pool of all of us, and we share the risk individually in case we are that statistic doesn't make the average. And we're going to get into what cash value is in a second, but we're mainly focused on just that primary benefit. One way yeah. I really understood it in the beginning was I'm paying a premium for my legacy. Like this was a, this was a financial benefit that will go to uh, my estate. It's, and it's the ideal vehicle because uh, it, once 
you know, the demise happens, it, it pays out uh, immediately. And so, and it pays out in a very tax efficient way, whether it's, you know, for covering uh, end of life expenses, whether it's uh, covering and replacing income of those that you were supporting with your income, uh, or it could fund a, a legacy. And funding a legacy isn't just like sending a dollar amount to somebody, but you can essentially uh, use entities and use legal directives so that that money is passed on according to predetermined directives. All right, so we get into that, and that's where I, I think we, we all feel we have a, a limited time on Earth, right? So we all, we all want to make a difference. I think that's intuitive to all human beings, right? We want to place our mark on the world, and leaving a legacy, leaving the world better than we found it is, I would say, intuitively important to us. So leaving behind a burden, whether it's end-of-life expen uh, expenses uh, because of long-term care costs, right? or leaving you know, behind unresolved matters with a business. And there's so many different experiences we've seen Right, the life insurance helps covers in that event, especially a premature event. Absolutely, and and it can, you know, everybody has a different viewpoint. It's really you know meeting with thousands of people. Some are very big on providing a legacy. Some people don't even know how they're going to make it to the end of their life without being a burden. So planning a legacy is something that that's very hard for them to even comprehend. And uh, some don't want to leave a legacy based on what they've seen. You know, this is kind of their some of their anti-insurance views is I don't want to ruin my family with all this money. And all that comes down to just knowing, you know, going back to the perpetual wealth strategy. It's a strategy through the growth, the income, the legacy mm -hmm. phase, and not just a single event or a single product. And I think that's so important as we look at building these out and, and deciding how we're going to place our money. Cool. So, that, so another characteristic of just outside of this permanent death benefit, and it's a permanent death benefit that pays out regardless of when that event happens, is the idea of cash value. Now, cash value was another evolution, right, in the history of insurance where people had policies, they were paying into it, and that if they did not have the means to continue that for the rest of their life, they would lose it. So they'd pay all this money in and get nothing for it. So that's when it evolved into essentially having a cash, a liquid, or a refund value, which is here is a schedule associated with that contract that we were talking about. In that same contract, it gives a schedule of that cash value uh, and ultimately what that will be at what age so that in the event that you no longer wanted the policy, this is the liquid value you would get back. Yeah, and if we, you know, again, kind of taking it back to like a, a, a property contract of buying a house, the cash value in a policy is similar to the equity we build in the house. Now, we, we build equity in a house both through our payments and the principal payments as it goes down and any appreciation in the property. Well, in a life insurance policy, we get the cash value based on our premiums. Just like a mortgage, the first cash value is all our premiums going in, right? But then we start earning a guaranteed return on it, which is, is like the, uh, you know, instead of paying interest to a bank, we're earning interest on our cash value. And then the dividends are kind of like the appreciation in the property, right? We're not guaranteed a property is going to go up, but over time they always do, yeah. right? Same with the dividend in a policy. The dividend is based on the profitability of a mutual insurance company coming back to us as policyholders. So they're very similar products and asset classes when we, you know, a lot of people understand a mortgage and buying a property where the cash value can be a little bit different, but it's a very similar product on, 
on really what it's for and what it does. And that's a cool, I'll, I'll expand on the dividend because the dividend uh, is interesting because it is based on the profitability of uh, the insurance company. Uh, and and that's based on their in the interest that they earn in their investments, their general account, and then their mortality experience, which is did the number of people you uh, projected to pass on really pass on. And, and so they distribute that dividend to specific policy owners right, within what are called participating life insurance policies. Uh, whole life is one of them. And, and then you look at how the IRS treats that payout of a dividend. Now, most dividends for profitable companies okay, are treated with taxes. Like You have to pay tax on that gain. But within a life insurance policy with a mutual company, they treat it as a refund uh, of premium. Because if they're profitable, it means that they overcharged you. Right, so it's an interesting dynamic, and it's a question we often get from clients, which is, is this profitability or is this a, a return of premium? And in theory, it's both. Right? The IRS treats it as a return of premium, but it really comes from the profitability of the insurance company. Yeah, it's interesting because our, our premiums make us a, a owner, a shareholder of a mutual insurance company and give us that contract. But then because we are a mutual owner and shareholder of the mutual company, then we get a portion of that profit comes back as the the uh, premium refund, so very, very unique contract and how it's taxed. So another couple other things with, with cash value. So cash value, and this, this is ultimately you know, legal and, and government as well, uh, but when somebody holds money, uh, there's legal requirement to essentially uh, pay out an opportunity cost interest rate, right? So the life insurance policies, the cash value there is accumulating contractually guaranteed uh, over the course of time, also have uh, interest associated with it. So you don't just get cash value, but also interest associated with that cash value. And then the dividend is essentially paid out on top of that. So the dividend increases the cash value even more. Now we're just basically talking about plain vanilla uh, whole life. We're going to yeah. get to the high cash value in the next video, but this is just a plain whole life insurance contract with a mutual company. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because if we go back to the, the contract that we have, it's in essence... The insurance company averages out how long we're going to live, comes up with that premium. But if we pass away in the meantime, they're the ones that assume the risk. So a lot of people go, oh, you know, I want my money to grow more than the insurance company does. Very unique contract in where the other party assumes all the risk. If they don't grow our money, they're the ones that pays out the difference. So contractually. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's the only contract I know of where I'm going to place my money where the other party has more risk than I do. So hopefully you're seeing by now why we consider, because whole life is whole life. We consider this a foundational core financial product because of all the different uh, characteristics that it has, right? It has obviously permanent protection with the death benefit, which can either pay out and replace the income of the breadwinner for if it happens prematurely, or it pays out and funds the estate, whether it's creating a legacy, whether it's uh, paying off debt, whether it's resolving uh, end-of-life expenses, but it also has a savings component. You have liquid value that's building inside of the policy. Then you have a policy loan, which is essentially part of the contract where the insurance company guarantees uh, that you can borrow against your cash value uh, from them. And obviously there's you know, some terms associated with the payback of those loans, which we're gonna get to in this series, but the idea is you have a guaranteed loan with the insurance company against this, uh, against this cash value. Additionally, I would say another evolution in whole life is it has uh, ideal asset protection. 
So the reason why it's asset protection, uh, both with the cash value and the death benefit, is because the policy is not for the individual policy owner. Okay, now they get living benefits, but technically, it is for the benefit of somebody else who does not have that liability. That is why there is great uh, asset protection, both in cash value and in the death benefit. And then obviously, there's some uh, more advanced ways in which you can have you know, trusts and uh, other entities own insurance, but we're not going to get to that. Uh, but it's one of those things where, again, another ideal uh, thing that people need when really they have liability associated with their life, whether it's caused by them or not caused by them, okay, having asset protection shields your assets from creditors who, who could get a claim on it based on getting a judgment on you if you are truly liable for whatever the event was. Yeah, great, great point of, of policy, you know, does not replace a trust, but it's very similar to a trust. So, you know, there's the, the insured, the owner, and the beneficiary. Um, and and one, one difference, you know, I know in some of our series later, we'll talk about trust, but this is like a first step in that asset protection, but for some of the same reasons as a, how a trust works. So the application, we're, not, we're gonna get into lots of different strategies in this series, but you know, life insurance is used for so many different reasons. Obviously, the you know, indemnifying or uh, replacing income from a business owner, indemnifying that risk uh, is first and foremost. But the use is in business, right? It can be used as a part of a buy-sell agreement to buy out an owner uh, in the event uh, of death. It can also be a business uh, succession tool uh, it can be used to fund educational expenses. Uh, obviously, one of the uh, I would say terms that we use is banking, which using the loan provision, you could essentially use that very flexible uh, loan provision against cash value as opposed to going and getting uh, bank financing. That's an ideal opportunity. It can be used to start a business. Uh, it obviously you have the asset protection piece of things. It could be the, the tool that funds your legacy. Uh, what else would you add to that? We've put, put a big list on it from a cash flow uh, protection and wealth standpoint. Anything uh, you want to add that, that I missed? No, I think, I think that's one thing that can make it a little bit more complicated is it's, it's so flexible. So we're used to so many products being very limited on what we can do or how it's taxed, and we have to look at all that. And, you know, the, the policy loan is such an incredible vehicle, but a lot of people have a kind of a negative connotation to loan but it's the same thing like if I have a rental property and I sell it to access my, my equity or value there, I'm going to pay a tax. But if I loan against, if I get like a home equity line of credit, I can use all that value, right? And that's very similar. We're using the policy as the, the asset or the collateral, and we can borrow against it, pay it back. So very, very unique contract. And um, the ability to loan against it is what allows us to maintain asset protection and, um, and all the tax-free benefits. So. Okay, Great so that's summer. vanilla, vanilla whole life, base whole life. It's uh, an incredible financial vehicle. It's something we see relevant, uh, whether you're single, married, young, old. There is relevance uh, as it improves your uh, your financial life. It again helps you to achieve those wealth outcomes that you're striving for with uh, with the highest degree of certainty. It's not the only financial vehicle though. But before we get into that. We are going to uh, spend another video talking about what high cash value is, which is the strategic design of whole life to maximize the living benefits. So stick with us to the next video.